But for now, we're going to continue uh, looking at Gideon. We started our Gideon series, and uh, Simon did such a brilliant job last week, didn't he? Give him a round of applause. He was brilliant. Well done, Simon. He's, he's hiding behind the desk at the back there. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, listen to it. It was so good. Um, but Simon, I have got two questions for you, though. Uh, the first question is, how many minutes did you spend on the piano this week? Uh, the week's not over yet. Okay. He did say in his message we could keep him accountable. So, you know, I'm just, uh, just following up. Um, and the other question, Simon, was um, who's this Trent guy? Because I'd really like him to be amongst us, this Trent guy. If you were there, he spoke about Trent, who was the superstar Christian that did everything right. I want to know who Trent is. Where's Trent? I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, so let's carry on then with uh, Gideon. So if you've got your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Uh, we're going to look, continue with Judges 6. Actually, I might read it off the screen. Um, so Judges 6, and if you put it up for me, we'll read it from verse 33. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abazarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the grounds be covered with dew. That night God did so, only the fleece was dry, all the ground was covered with dew. We know that story about the fleeces, you've probably heard it before. And there are kind of three parts uh, that we're going to pick up as we see in the story. Firstly, we saw Israel's enemies gather, then we saw Gideon blow a trumpet, and then Gideon puts the fleeces before God. So those are the three things we're going to look at. But I want to start with the fleeces. So we're going to do it in a bit of a reverse order. The fleeces, there are probably not many uh, scriptures that we misuse as much as Gideon's fleeces. Uh, it's one that we really uh, like to misuse. Because what we do is we take all sorts of circumstances as a confirmation that God wants us to do exactly what we want to do. So we decide, this is what I want to do, and well, if this thing happens, that'll confirm it. And surprisingly, we manage to pick up the right circumstances that tell us, yes, do exactly as you wanted to do. It's so often, sadly, the case. And uh, unfortunately, as a leader... Um, there are many times I've had people come to me uh, and, you know, say, God is telling me to do this, and you ask why, and the circumstances that they've put out there 
uh, fleeces, which uh, you ask, well, is that really God, or is it just that that happened to fit what you were after? We can do that really easily. So it's very important that we think about this passage. And I guess the question for me is, out of the story is, why did God go along with it? Why did He go along with the testing, with this fleece story? Because it's very clear that we are not to test God. Jesus, when He was being tempted by Satan, you remember, after He uh, was baptized, He went out into the desert, and He was tempted by Satan. And one of those tests Satan took him to the top of the temple, and he said, throw yourself down, and the angels will protect you. And Jesus says, you can read in Matthew 4, 7, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Jesus was actually quoting Deuteronomy 6, 16, which says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. Okay, so what happened at Massah? Let's have a look. And it's actually the story of when the Israelites are in the desert and um, they uh, get water from the rock. So we'll have a quick read of that in Exodus 17. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So that's really interesting, and where, what does that show us? What do we get out of that? Well, two points, I think. Firstly, we need to remember that God is always with us. He is always with His people, and I don't even just mean individually, but as the church, He is always with His church, always. He is building His church. He is always with His church, even when sometimes it doesn't look like it, when times are tough, when we're facing challenges, and He wants us to continue in faith, not unbelief, and not to question that He is with us. It's so important, church, that we believe that God is faithful and we don't test Him in it. He is faithful. And actually, if you look back over your life, I'm sure you'll recognize time after time after time when God has been faithful, when maybe you have been unfaithful, 
but He continues to be faithful. Let's not test God. He is faithful. Let's believe it in faith. Secondly, God calls us on mission, and He wants His people to move forward in unity, not quarreling and grumbling. The Israelites are quarreling, grumbling, testing God. God calls His church to move forward in purpose, not quarreling and, and grumbling. So what about Gideon's fleeces then? How do they fit with this? And uh, having a look at it and reading a bit around this, I think the difference is that Gideon, firstly, he wasn't grumbling. He, he wasn't grumbling about um, God's, that God wasn't providing. He wasn't testing God's faithfulness. He, as we just read, he was already, he blew the trumpet. He had already taken a step of faith. He destroyed the altar of Baal. Simon did that last week. He'd already taken that step of faith, even though it was at night. Now, he's blowing the trumpet. He's calling the people together. He's already taking steps of faith as God led him. And so, I don't think he was just looking for a little sign to confirm what he wanted. As I said, you know, we can say, well, if I'm meant to take this job in Noosa, then let me get a phone call from them tomorrow. Oh, we get a phone call tomorrow. Okay, we're off to Noosa because it's much warmer than freezing cold Sydney. <laughs> you might get flooded out. That can happen too. We can put these little signs and look for these little signs. I don't believe that's what Gideon was doing. Actually, he, uh, we know he was reluctant to go down this path. This wasn't a path that he was you know, wanting to rush down. And he wasn't just looking for a little sign. But, so what was he looking for? Well, I believe he was after a supernatural revelation of God so that he would know who God really is. He was after a supernatural revelation of God so that he could know who God is. Remember, Gideon didn't have the Bible he didn't have the Bible. We've got this word that feeds us daily. He didn't have this to feed him. He didn't have that revelation of God. He didn't know Jesus Christ as we know Jesus Christ. We've uh, become brothers with Him. He's our friend. We know Jesus Christ. He didn't have the Holy Spirit living in Him as we all do. The Holy Spirit came on people in the Old Testament, but we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have a revelation of Jesus all the time. Gideon didn't have that, and so I believe what he was looking for was a revelation of God so that he could respond further in faith and continue to go in the direction that God had called him. He had already taken steps in that direction. But now he's saying, God, won't you just reveal yourself to me, reveal your sovereignty to me, so that I know you rule everything. I want a revelation of who God is. And, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit does that in us. If you ask God for a revelation of who He is, He does that. He opens our hearts and minds. Maybe with some of you, He was doing that tonight. And as He opens your heart and mind to Him, actually, as we said, fear goes. And those things are dealt with. And so Gideon's looking for revelation of the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign over everything, even where dew lands. 
whether it lands in this tiny little spot or not. Actually, God is totally sovereign over everything. And that puts us in an amazing place of faith, knowing of God's sovereignty, knowing that He has everything we need for us to continue to step forward. So if we're doubting God's promises, or if we're not sure if God's presence is with us, well, we can actually ask God for fresh faith. We can ask Him for fresh faith. And as I said, the Holy Spirit comes, He gives us a greater revelation of who Jesus is. And as we encounter Jesus, we find we can step forward in faith. I've just seen Joel sitting at the back there, and um, Joel, I, I know having walked with him over years, God got him to kind of sit with him for years, um, just spending time with God, spending time with God, spending time with God. And what was God doing? Well, God was giving him a revelation of himself for what was next and for what he was going to continue to step into. God wants to reveal Himself to you in greater and greater measure. However much you feel you know God, actually there is much, much, much more for you to get to know. And He wants to reveal Himself to you. He, the Holy Spirit, reveals to us Jesus Christ, who we know has won every victory, and who we know that all of God's promises are yes in Jesus Christ. So, when Jesus Christ is revealed to us, we feel a yes to God's promises. <coughs> Sorry, I'm feeling like one of those um, Egyptians in the desert. <laughs> and uh, I don't have to hit a rock, but... Sorry. So, God wants to reveal Himself so that you say yes to His promises. His promises, we need to be a people that live with His promises. And I don't just mean prophetic words, but what the Bible says about who God is, and what it says about who the church is. We need to live with those promises. So, that's what I believe the fleeces is about. So, let's not use them just to confirm our own idea, I, th- I want to go this way, let me take some little circumstance to fit it together. But let's do what Gideon did, and let's ask God for a greater revelation of Himself so we can step forward in faith. Is that okay? Fleeces, we got them? Yes? Good. I'm not too sure, you sound very quiet. Yes, we've got fleeces? Yes, we've got fleeces, Good. All right, let's go back to the beginning of what we read. Israel's uh, enemies gather. And we see at the beginning of the section that after Gideon had taken this uh, first tentative step, Simon covered it last week, in the middle of the night he goes and he does what God wants him to do. He does it under the cover of darkness, but he takes this tentative step. And you think, wow, that's great, he's taken a step. Well, what's the next thing we see? The next thing we see is that all of Israel's enemies have gathered together and advanced and come in. 
It's like, are you serious, God? But I just took a step of faith for you, and, and now I just see a mess, and it's overwhelming. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes. <laughs> I know I have. You feel like, okay, God, you're saying this. I'm going to step. I'm going to take this step. What do we want? We want a big pat on the back. Well done. Okay, let's keep moving forward. But sometimes what we find is the enemies are all there. They, they haven't run away. God is, yes. He's saying, yes, go for it. But the enemies are there because there is a battle to fight. There is a battle to fight. And so often when we take tentative steps of faith, we then find discouragement and difficulties. I've seen it so many times. I've felt it so many times. Again and again and again, I find in my life, even this week, go to Adelaide. It felt like a victorious kind of time, great time in God. Come back on Thursday night and just feel hit by some discouragements. You think, wow, God, it's just, again, surely, what are these, all these enemies doing here? You're leading us forward. But Satan wants to keep the church weak. He wants to keep the church just serving itself, inward-looking, paralyzed in, in disunity, and as ineffective as possible. That's what he wants to do. And as soon as we start to shift this, and even though things are difficult, maybe we start to seek God in prayer, or uh, we start to say, yeah, Jesus, you really are the center, making you the center of my life. Or um, we start as a community to look more for the infilling of the Spirit. When we do that, we should not be surprised at the battle we are stepping into. We are in a battle, but we can kind of hide back. But God wants us to step forward. The ultimate victory, as we know, is in Jesus. We know that. Jesus is going to win. We've read the end of the book. We know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to be all victorious. But He doesn't want His church to be hanging on by our teeth until we get there. Just, just hanging on. Are we just going to hang on, God? Are we just going to hold on? Maybe we'll survive. He, he doesn't want us just hanging on. Actually, He wants us stepping forward into the battle, right into the center of the battle. Why? Because He's equipped us with everything we need, everything we need. We call to fight the good fight, to keep stepping forward in faith, despite the battle that's raging against us. Because we are in a battle right now in this world. We, we see it turn on the news walk down the street, we see injustice, we see poverty, we see Satan robbing lives through drugs and domestic violence and suicide. We're in a battle, church, and we are the light to the world. We are the answer, us. We are the answer. This battle of love where we pour out love on those that feel hopeless and helpless, those that are bashed from side to side, you are the answer. You're the answer in your workplace. You're the answer to your neighbors. You're the answer as you walk down the street, at the school gate, at uni. You are the answer. You are the light. 
You don't have to stand there and preach, but you're called to be a witness. We're called to be witnesses wherever we go. Wherever we go, we're called to witness to this new life that we have received in Jesus Christ. We're called to be a witness to that again and again and again. Satan wants to convince us that power, wealth, materialism, that gives us significance and worth, but we know it doesn't. Only in Jesus Christ do we find significance and worth. And that is what we need to shine to the world. We need to, church, keep rising up. We need to keep shaking off apathy and fear to step forward in faith. And the amazing thing is, is that we do it in our inadequacy. We do it in our weakness. Just like Gideon, he's doing it, he's stepping forward in his weakness. And so I, I feel, and I felt this when we first looked at this passage, this thing of sounding the trumpet. Gideon sounds the trumpet. He sounds the trumpet. Let's just read it again. Verse 34, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abazarites to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. And as an eldership and as a leadership, we want to call Grace City Church again. We want to sound a trumpet for us to keep stepping forward in faith, committed and wholeheartedly serving one another, serving our neighborhoods and even the nations. We know, like Gideon, we're not sounding the trumpet from strength. He just said, I'm the weakest, I'm the least. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, he sounds a trumpet. He calls Israel to gather. And obviously, we're going to see what happens next as God continues to use weakness. So we can sound this trumpet. It's not because we're feeling, right, we've got everything, we've got everything fixed now, church, everything's good. We're all right. Everyone's perfect, aren't they? We're all good. The leaders, they're absolutely incredible, perfect leaders. You'll never find better ones. Everyone in the church, incredible, perfect people. That's not why we sound the trumpet. No, it's because we're weak. We come inadequate. But we come with hearts that are seeking the living God that are open to the Holy Spirit, using that weakness in incredible strength. Why? So that God gets the glory. So that God gets the glory. Not so that we look good and we say, wow, Grace City Church, you should come. We're pretty good. No, but because God is good and God gets the glory. God is exalted. Church has to be about exalting God. When we witness and see people saved, it's so that God is exalted, so that the brides will be even bigger and God will be exalted. God's calling us to be a church that exalts Him by wholeheartedly serving each other and our neighborhoods and the nations. Steve Thompson, um, last Sunday night, <coughs> I wasn't here, excuse me, but um, he brought this prophetic word, There's Steve over there, and um, uh, sent it on to me, Quinn sent it on to me. This was the word. He said, I saw 
a small boat just off the shore, anchored, with a person looking at the shore through binoculars. They wondered what lay on the shore and the land beyond, but because they had been shipwrecked in the past, they were hesitant to get out of the boat and explore the land, fearful of what obstacles may lie there. I felt God say to step out of the boat and go. Stop spectating, stop wondering, step out of the boat. I felt this exhortation pertains to areas of our church life, areas of commitment and passivity to or in the church and to people looking in at the Christian faith. When I read that word, I thought, wow, that just fits exactly what God has been saying. And it's tempting for us to say, I'll just stay on the edge and watch. Let's, let's just see what happens. It's really tempting to do that. You know, I'm, I'm in the boat. I'll just have a look through the binoculars. Now Things are getting a bit better. Maybe it's time to go ashore. But actually, things will never get better if we aren't actually all stepping out of the boat. We're all called to step out of the boat, to step forward in faith, not to be, <coughs> excuse me, in the grandstands. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You might want it to be, but it's not a spectator sport. Maybe sitting here right now, you're spectating. <laughs> but this is not a spectator thing. Christianity is for us to be those witnesses, to be stepping out in faith. I realize my time has gone. Let me finish with three things that I'd love to call you into as we sound this trumpet. First one is prayer. Prayer. Got to be a praying people. I want to call you to step into prayer in your own time, but also together. And now we pray before each service, the morning, the evening. We pray. We'd love you to join us there. The ladies are meeting on a Friday morning at uh, our house at 10. If you're not working, sorry, 9.30, 9.30, then come along to that. We're also going to be starting um, our prayer and worship nights again. Uh, I'll let you know. We just haven't confirmed when, um, but I'll let you know about those. Uh, so we'll be doing those uh, here, or maybe not here. But anyway, we'll be doing those. I'll let you know the details. Um, so I'd love you to step forward in prayer. Second thing is serving. We call to serve one another in our life groups, Sundays, serving in life, uh, serving each other as a church and serving the community around us. Thirdly, spoken about us being witnesses, and we are called to be witnesses.